0: Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to a very special Christmas episode of Yes or BS. So, Merry Christmas, everyone! Thanks for tuning in. I'd like to I'd like to thank Paul. There are millions of people on Christmas Day downloading Yes or BS, <laughs> sitting around the fire.
1: What a what a present that would be! <laughs> Unre- an unrealistic Christmas present for both of us.
0: Millions and millions around the world, but um, we do have season two coming in the new year. So we've got six brand new episodes coming in January.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's kind of like a little our Christmas present to you. Yeah,
1: just the to sort tie- of stopgap between the two.
0: Exactly, to tidy you over. So we've got all Christmas facts
1: today. Mm, I've got some good ones.
0: Yeah, I've tried to go for as obscure as I could get. Just
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of going in this blind. Mm. I, I, kinda, I really don't know what to expect. Isn't that your... I'm quite nervous. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We
0: should have some like mince pies and booze, I think, just to calm yeah. the nerves. yeah. And get ready for Christmas. So, are you ready for me to launch into my first fact then?
1: Okay, I'm braced.
0: Okay, so for my first fact, uh, we're going over to Japan. Okay, and how Christmas is celebrated in Japan. Right, you love a good Japan fact. I do. I've got history in Japan. That's all I've got going for. Us. Right, <laughs> it's like, I can't just do... in general. <laughs> I can't do science. I can't do sports. I can't do <laughs> literature, classical music. I really was a terrible choice for this podcast. Yeah, oh, well,
1: you know, you are eleventh on my list of people. That asked.
0: <laughs> so I'm I kind of. I know how a lot of the times we end up in
1: draws on this podcast. I, you know when you said that I th- I thought you genuinely meant like draws like a chest of draws,
0: right? This I'm think I'm going to win today.
1: Didn't end up in draws. That's the first thing I thought about was no, like someone draws, getting into a draw, as in points draws. Oh right, okay, right. Um
0: so this first fact, it's in two parts. So there are two points up for grabs.
1: Oh, is this like a
0: Christmas present?
1: <laughs> it is. Just to let you know, I'm not going to reciprocate here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one fact, but two points. Yes,
0: there will be a winner of the Christmas episode. Ooh, this we're is making
1: it exactly. So seven points up for grabs.
0: There was millions of people around the fire right now have just gasped.
1: Oh, in hey! Shock. Get, get another glass of sherry ready. <laughs> so, my first Japanese fact for Christmas
0: is: Did you know? That Mm -hmm. on Christmas Day in Japan, it is now tradition to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken for a Christmas lunch. Right. So it was started by a very successful advertising campaign in 1974 um, called Kentucky for Christmas. Kentucky Kentucky Fried Chicken. Obviously, Christmas wasn't a holiday or a celebration in Japan. Yeah. uh, So KFC seized the opportunity to kind of associate themselves with Christmas. Okay. Right. You want Christmas? You want turkey dinners? You want chicken dinners? You come to KFC. So it is now tradition for a lot of Japanese families to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Day.
1: But but they don't celebrate Christmas.
0: They don't. But that's why KFC decided to capitalize on it and kind of force people to celebrate
1: Christmas. But why didn't they just go, we don't celebrate Christmas, we're not going to do that? You're really taking the
0: fun out of this fact, Paul. I don't know. I have I ruined the game already? I wasn't, I wasn't in the mind of Takeshi Okawara, the manager of the first KFC in the country, wow. who decided to do this. Does he own a castle? <laughs> That's <laughs> a very obscure reference to Takeshi's castle. Yeah. there. It's anyone
1: who didn't know that Three people just laughed at that.
0: Yeah, so you, you often have to book um, weeks in advance to get this, what? this special... What? You have to book at KFC? Yeah, because they've got a special Christmas bucket. <laughs> right now, now if you give me a second i will tell you what is in
1: this christmas bucket oh i you know what? i never get this while uh, about kfc is given the choice i would rather not eat out of a bucket <laughs> like they might as well call it like the kfc trough
0: i think it's the pinnacle of civilization to be honest <laughs> once you once you start eating everything we should eat everything out of buckets <laughs> But some of the choices you get, um, they range from just a box of chicken to the premium version, which is a whole roasted chicken and sides.
1: You can buy a roast, a whole roast chicken? Only on Christmas Day in Japan and only at KFC. Now, see, I'm vegetarian, so I honestly can't remember the last time I was in a KFC. But I'm pretty sure that you can't book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm guessing that's just, just a Japanese thing.
1: But I'm trying to think, like, would they have had, like... Would a fast food restaurant have the ability to cook a whole chicken? Obviously. they. You see how big the fryers are, but I don't know if well, they obviously don't deep fry the whole chicken. They can't deep fry a whole bird. I don't know they? how
0: they cook the chicken, but you get whole roast chickens because that's obviously the family meal.
1: Well, I, I would guess if it's a whole roast chicken, it's probably been roasted.
0: Right, that's uh, <laughs> calling me out already for the <laughs>
1: stupidity. Right, okay. A whole chicken. You're clearly bamboozled by this fact, Paul. Plus sides. Yes, so like what, stuffing sides. and Brussels sprouts? And...
0: Um, I don't think you get stuffing and Brussels sprouts. I think it's just like fries, um, oh, like so the it's beans, like KFC. Coleslaw, like the regular KFC sides. Because they, again, right, honestly, okay. when I was over there, that was the biggest thing. You, could, you couldn't find a good roast dinner to save your life over there. There was no like Sunday roasts or anything. It was that was. <laughs> well, you are in a completely different country. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery solved,
1: there, Paul. Okay. So how are you feeling on that first part of this fact? But, but it has bamboozled me a little bit mm. because it could be true. Marketers are very clever. I don't understand why they they went into this going. Well, I know what we'll do. They don't celebrate Christmas in Japan, so we'll. Seize upon them not celebrating something and force them to come to our restaurants <laughs> to, to they're celebrate they're something. Not forcing anyone to go, <laughs> but it, it's like it's like imagine if like your sushi or something decided that you know what we're gonna force everyone on August the seventeenth to celebrate some obscure Japanese holiday <laughs> and we'll make it your sushi day. <laughs> you, I would go, no, you, you know what? No, I'm you, not going to do you'd that. You'd be
0: interested, though, wouldn't you? You'd be curious. You'd want to oh, what's that holiday all about?
1: I'd be curious about whether there was anything
0: vegetarian on the menu. Oh, God, you're so difficult sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, going anywhere with you, it's a pain in the ass. You
1: vegetarian option for that. Right, okay. It, it sounds plausible it also sounds it's uh, because you you in japan how how long did you live in japan Uh, three years all right okay Uh, did you partake in this there was a
0: kfc right near the school i worked at right Uh, i didn't need a book on christmas day i was obviously working on christmas day Uh, i just kind of went in because obviously it wasn't very popular where i was living all right evidently um so yeah i just got like the regular uh, zinger Zinger. you got a zinger tower burger
1: (laughs) on christmas day
0: yes i did (laughs)
1: well that's that is un- true that's just undone everything you've just said you said that people have to book no not in every it's, it's not like
0: every single kfc in the country oh, jam-packed right, okay. it's like it's just there's a lot of kfc's about
1: right okay um i see i could see you making it up but i can also see this being completely true <sighs>
0: come on let's have a guess there's two parts of this fact paul let's come on you've got a we're, we're moving fast
1: <sighs> okay i'm just gonna say it's true it is true. <laughs> oh, really?
0: <laughs> yeah. What? It was a really successful advertising campaign in the seventies. Yep, called Kentucky for Christmas. That's
1: ridiculous.
0: And it just it grabbed people's attention because obviously they've done nothing for Christmas. It's just another day. It was an excuse to kind of go out and do something, really. Wow. I reckon it would take off if it was the reverse. If there was some I think like you were saying, if your sushi did it, I think it would take off. Over do you yet. think?
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe I was just too cynical. Cynical and difficult to bloody go to restaurants yeah. with. Yeah, true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do a whole chicken in KFC. You have to yeah. book? Yeah, a lot of them you do. Can you book in KFCs? See, I know so little about fast food.
0: Not over here, I don't think. Wow. Like, but it's, again, it's just for Christmas Day. I don't think you, they have to book any other times of the day. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, but, well but me wow. Work, just me working on Christmas Day in Japan. Just just call me Tony Cratchit.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway,
0: I hear you have another fact. I do. It's another Japanese fact for Christmas. Right,
1: okay. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to
0: start off with your classical music knowledge, actually,
1: Paul. Ooh, right, okay.
0: So, this should be an easy question for you, first of all. Mm-hmm. What is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony?
1: Oh, I don't... Uh, the, I know the names of lots of them, but I don't know what order they went in. Is that the pastoral? No, it's Ode to Joy. Oh, it, that's from Beethoven's Ninth. Yeah, Ninth yeah apparently. Oh, Ode right, to right, Joy okay. is from Beethoven's Ninth. Oh, Plus, right, okay.
0: Beethoven's ninth is an incredibly popular piece of music to play at Christmas time in Japan. And in fact, they call it Daiku in Japan, which means big number nine. Which oh, shows right, how okay. it's like this is like the best piece of classical music we've ever heard. But, so we've got a lot of respect for it. Right. they play it at Christmas and there was once a choir in Osaka that had ten thousand people in the choir that sang Ode to Joy one Christmas because they loved it so much. What? Why do they like it so much? Ah, here is the story, which oh. you may or may not believe. <laughs> okay. In World War One, you right. may or may not know that Japan was on the side of Britain and France yes. and Russia. But obviously, being not very close to Europe, they, they couldn't get too involved in the European theatre. Mm-hmm. But at that time, there were a lot of European powers that had... Well, they were kind of still half colonising China at the time. It was kind right. of there was a lot of different European enclaves on the east coast of China. Right. And one of those was a enclave of German soldiers. Really? Yes. So the Japanese thought, oh, there's some Germans over there. Yeah. Let's go and get them. Right. <laughs> we, can't, okay. we can't make it to Germany, but we'll make it to the German enclave in China. Right. So they were taken as prisoners of war from China back to Japan. And there were some musicians in this group of German soldiers who would play Beethoven's ninth... To pass the time, and it became quite popular for them to do this in around Christmas and New Year.
1: The G- the Germans used to play this. Yes. Okay. So, "Ode to Joy." Uh, even though they were prisoners of war. Even though they were
0: prisoners of war, they had it was it was obviously a very relaxed, much more relaxed than the European theater yes. in World War <laughs> yeah. One. Yeah. So this they these soldiers seem to have a, a good time of it in Japan. They were just kind of chilling, playing the piano, singing along to "Ode to Joy." Good grief! And right. it became Japanese soldiers became so enamored by Ode to Joy that it slowly started to spread and spread over the decades to the point where it's now become something of a Japanese Christmas tradition now as well to sing Ode to Joy.
1: So they they were captured around about Christmas time. Yes. Um, there were about
0: four thousand prisoners of war taken to Japan, and they would uh, they would often go on supervised jaunts to local sites, as well as forming this
1: orchestra. But this, this doesn't Joy. sound like they're prisoners of war. This makes <laughs> it sound like they're on some sort of clubby. You, they lucked the hell out on this one, I yeah. think. Yeah, if you're going to be a prisoner of war, you want to be in a prison that lets you go on trips out. <laughs>
0: But the thing is, though, they couldn't really escape because if they had escaped, how the hell would they get back to
1: Europe anyway? Well, you wouldn't want to leave. You're <laughs> absolutely lucked out. <laughs> Where are we got on today's trip, boss? <laughs> right, okay. Now, this sounds plausible as all. Well. And it was when
0: the Japanese broadcasting company, uh, NHK, it's like the BBC, but the Japanese equivalent, mm-hmm. first came on the air. They got wind of this story and they started to publicise it and play Order to Joy, it grew in popularity and... Today, we have a 10,000-strong choir who sang it in Osaka.
1: This is a good story. I like this. I really want this to be true. Mm. So, all to joy, this orchestra, they were captured during the First World War. What year
0: did did this happen? Uh, Right off the bat, 1914.
1: Right, okay. So they were taken prisoner. They brought all their instruments and things with them.
0: No, I think they were given instruments once they got to jail. Are
1: you sure they were prisoners of war?
0: (laughs) They they just captured a
1: band. (laughs) (laughs) This is like Desert Island Discs, like <laughs> you, you held captive. But you know what? You know what? Have a piano and, and a tuba and <laughs> a full orchestra. By the end, they had they were like given a proper... a, they were given orchestral instruments. Yeah, full.
0: Who was in this? Full enclave? like seventy-piece orchestra. By the end,
1: this is getting more and more unbelievable by the minute. This that and this, so they could put on a full performance of Ode to Joy. Yep, because it was quite popular with the German soldiers. I don't know why. But how <laughs> they must have been musicians. They must have been.
0: Well, it's it was very common to have musicians in the army at the time anyway, yeah. because I think even today there's still a lot of musicians there's in the army. There's army, army, army band bands are things, yeah. still quite prevalent, so it's not uncommon at all.
1: So they'd captured like 4,000? 4, 4,000 German soldiers. So like 3,920 of them were just soldiers, <laughs> and the other <laughs> yeah. 80 were fully trained I don't know orchestral how they... multi-instrumentalists.
0: I don't know how the others got treated. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they had it worse than the orchestra guys, I don't know.
1: Wow, Okay. See, this is got. I don't. The only thing that's making me think that this is made up is the fact that the first one is, was true. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know whether, because you know so much about Japan, whether you just had two really good stories.
0: Mm. <sighs> What's your gut?
1: My gut saying that it's probably true. I can, I can imagine even if this isn't true, that Oda Joy is very, very popular in japan at christmas time mm. but then again they don't celebrate christmas really in japan do they
0: no it's very toned down as you would as you would expect new year is a really big thing ah <sighs> uh, the
1: uh, yeah literally the only thing that's telling me this isn't true is the fact that it would balance out that you made one of them up mm-hmm. but i'm gonna say look at you avoiding my eyes <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh come on let's have that no i'm gonna i
1: um uh, it's such a good story There's so many little details added in I think Oh god I think I'm going to get this wrong But I'm going to say that that's true That
0: entire story Mm -hmm. Including the jaunts out Mm -hmm. Is true
1: Yes Really That's amazing That's that's brilliant
0: Good grief Yeah that was I loved reading about that story That's insane Yeah It was just such a different Just a different time really It's like Wow. Because I think the Japanese were fairly... I think they did send some soldiers to the European theatre, but obviously they had a great time on the Far East oh, yeah, front. good grief. That's... I just love the fact that they took them out on joints. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. It's like you kind of didn't know what to do with them. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, there's so much sort of detachment between Germany and Japan, and especially mm. at that time. It's not like the sort of world is...
0: And you've got to remember, Japan's only really been an open country for about 50 years by that point. Yeah, of course. And they're like... Yeah. The soldiers turned up and they're like, "Oh, what what do we do with them now? Wow. Do we give them a jaunt? Do we let them form a band?"
1: Wow,
0: that's insane! Mm. Yeah, now it's it's a really popular piece of music around. I love Christmas that and New Year's, story. Yeah. That's
1: one of the best stories we've had, I think, so mm. far. That's brilliant. Wow.
0: Well, I'm glad to lose the points on that one to send out a good. I think you're going to win the
1: Christmas episode,
0: Paul. Right, you've got to really pull something out of the bag in terms of interest. I've got to award myself seven points for
1: being interesting. (laughs) Seven points for being interesting. (laughs) Yeah, mine aren't anywhere near as good as that. Don't switch off, though, by the way. Okay, that was a good start. Oh, thank you. Even they, though
0: you got the points, I feel I've won a moral victory. <laughs> yeah, to, 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 I feel like fact. we've
1: peaked already. <laughs> right, okay, compared to that, you've come up with like history and culture and all this sort of mm. stuff. And I'm coming in with a fact about the Grinch. <sighs> <laughs> now people who've listened to this podcast will know a few episodes ago a dr seuss came up mm-hmm. and the it was a legendary moment in the history of yes because
0: i refuse to believe paul had the skills to write <laughs> at the level of dr
1: seuss yeah we've made i've dr seussed you is like it's become a <laughs> phrase it's a thing so i'm hoping to do it again today okay here we go uh okay so Dr. Seuss wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 1957. The character, here's a little bonus fact for you, the character of the Grinch actually debuted a couple of years earlier than that in 1955 in a poem called The Who-Bub and the Grinch. <laughs> that's got nothing to do with my fact. That's just that's, a little bonus so fact. That's true. <laughs> that is completely true, yeah. Even though "hoobub" does sound like something <laughs> I might have made up. But yes, um, so it became really successful, The Grinch, and it was this animated version, which is now really famous, the original kind of... Mm animated version of it yes it, it was done in i think 2000 with jim carrey i've never seen the grinch you know uh,
0: was that not the live action version he did yeah that was in um, 2000 yeah what was the, the animated one was that in the 60s or the 70s yeah 1966 yeah that's and
1: that, that's what i'm going to talk about today ah, cool. um i've never seen the, the new version though i've never seen any incarnation of the grinch oh have you never seen the animated so you, one? you could tell me anything oh, today, really the animated one's quite good actually mm. from the 60s yeah it was 1966 um it was produced by chuck jones who was the same guy who used to do uh, tom and jerry and stuff I still haven't got to my fact. This is, all, going just, going this say, is all just this Is there a fact buried in here? That <laughs> you, mean, yeah. Sorry, a lie. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you know who narrated that?
0: Uh, it's really famous. It is. I imagine there's a lot of people who will know
1: this, but I don't remember. It was Boris Karloff. That
0: was it? Yeah, who
1: was Frankenstein in in the 30s. Um, He was nominated for a Grammy. Really? For for doing it. Yeah, they released it as a sort of spoken word record as well. And it was the only major award Boris Karloff was ever nominated for. Yeah, he was like this massive film star at the time, obviously. But uh, yeah, the only sort of big award he was nominated for was... Spoken word album at the Grammys, <laughs>
0: so it's gonna be. Hey, hey, I'd take that. Yeah, in
1: 1966. I wonder if he like went like he sat there next to like the Beatles and the Stones the instead like Boris Karloff. But yeah, I, we still haven't got to my fact. Yeah, Now, The problem is, is that uh, yes, Boris Karloff narrated it and he did the voice of the Grinch, but Boris Karloff can't sing or couldn't sing, um, and the producers knew this. But because the poem was quite short and they needed to pad this out into a half-hour film special. Uh, one of the ways that they padded out was to write some songs. There's, there's three songs in it, including the you're, song... You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch.
0: Exactly. I know that one. Yeah,
1: exactly. Now, the narrator has to sing this song, but Boris Karloff can't sing. So the producers looked to hire somebody uh, to record the song for them, someone who had a kind of similar voice to the, okay. the, to the voice of the narrator. So they hired a bass singer and a voiceover actor called Thurl Ravenscroft.
0: Ooh, I'm starting to feel shaky guys.
1: <laughs> okay. Now, Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, he was born in Nebraska.
0: was he in Lord of the Rings?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's part of the One Hobbits. One of the elves or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was born in Nebraska in 1914. He's actually quite a famous um, voiceover person. He did, did a lot of work for Disney. So he, there's, you'll hear his voice in Dumbo and Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland and mm. a lot of really early Disney stuff. But he's best known... For two words, and if I tell you what those two words are, I want to know whether you can work out what he's mostly famous okay. for. Okay. The words are they're great.
0: Oh, frosties! <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Phil
1: Ravenscroft.
0: Oh, frosted flakes. I think for our American well, listeners. Yes.
1: Um, Phil Ravenscroft was the voice of Tony the, the Tiger. Tony the Tiger. So this song, this uh, very famous song from the Grinch, was sung and recorded by uh, the guy who did the voice of Tony the Tiger. Now that's my fact.
0: I want this to be true <laughs> so badly. I think that you've actually lied because you've taken you've you've hit all my buttons that get me to believe things. You've gone for okay. schmaltz, you've gone you know I loved Tony the Tiger. Yeah. I've never seen the Grinch, right. but I would love love it if Tony the Tiger was in the Grinch. <laughs> uh, but oh th- as I've said that now though, that sounds like complete BS. <laughs> because Ooh, wait a minute, so They're Great, did they use the same voice? How long did they use that for? Like, when When was... Oh, I don't know. When was They're Great first used on TV?
1: That, I don't know. Because if he was born in 1914... Yeah, he, he was born in 1914, he died in 2005... Mm. He died when he was 91. Did
0: he have to re-record their great every year? I don't oh, know. I've Did they use lot... the original
1: <laughs> original recording? I've got a lot of Grinch facts. I haven't got very many see, Frosties See, I'm much
0: more fact. interested in the, in the Frosties <laughs> facts now. I'm moving on. I don't have a clue about the Grinch, but I'm well up on Frosties. Mm. Ooh, I really want this to be true, but I don't want this to be like a clean sweep Christmas episode for you. <laughs> but then the last Grinch fact.
1: Am I Dr. Seussing you again? Ooh. Right. Have, I, have I deliberately come up with another Dr. Seuss fact just to wind you up?
0: I think you wind us up. I'm going to take a deep breath and go with the gut and say this is BS.
1: Okay. fine, answer? Yes. That entire story mm-hmm. is completely true. No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, is sung by Tony the Tiger.
0: That is fantastic. It's
1: amazing, isn't it? Now, the, what, there's a little kind of extra story on the end of this. Mm. He was uncredited. So they didn't actually mention in the credits of the film that Thurl Ravenscroft had sung the song. The only person that got credited was Boris Karloff. Hmm. And when this came out, Dr Seuss rang him up and apologised personally. Really? And then wrote to all the TV networks and said, Hey, get make Tony sure the Tiger <laughs> Make sure you out here. credit this
0: person properly. Was he credited as Tony the Tiger? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, I, I, I don't know when they first used Tony the Tiger, whether, whether, right, whether, he'd, we, whether he'd already done it or not That's by what, then. what made me
0: think it was BS. Yeah. Like if uh, how is old it,
1: are Frosties? Frosties are quite old, though I'm sure they, they mm. must have been like a classic American cereal from like mm. the 50s and 60s. Probably. It must be.
0: I've not had Frosties in years. I was. I, was, I don't I was, really like them. I was more of a Cocoa Pop man anyway. I just
1: like porridge. Oh, you're I'm so like an again. Year old you're so man. boring again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, have you got any vegetarian options? <laughs> I just have a bowl of porridge, please. Oh, have you got any <laughs> dust in a box I could eat? <laughs> <laughs> Poor and old Paul. Do you want to go after a restaurant this weekend, or oh, not with Paul? Jeez. <laughs> uh, I think you're
1: a little bit bitter about being three 0 down after two facts. <laughs> that could but, yeah. well be it. That, it's completely true. Yeah, hey, that's that, was... that song is sung by Tony the Tiger.
0: We've had some good ones today. Yeah, actually. yeah.
1: this is this is fast. Maybe we should just do Christmas presents from <laughs> now on. <laughs>
0: Okay, so it's 3-0
1: to you, Paul. I'm feeling confident here, but I'm also in the back of my head thinking now it's going to end 4-3. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've never usually do this. Well, it's, it's because I gave you that Christmas gift of two points yeah. on the first fact.
1: If this ends up 7-0, I will love it. We have a bit of a gentleman's agreement that if it's ever a clean sweep, the other person gets... An...
0: The, the winner has to buy the loser a Oh, prize. yeah.
1: Okay, I'm going to throw this you, episode
0: you, now. I will go back to the episode. You, <laughs> yeah, you no, said that. Yeah, remember that, that now. And it should have been the other way around, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Oh. But Damn it. because I gave you that Christmas gift in fact one, mm-hmm. um, I've not actually got you any Christmas presents this year. <laughs> <laughs> still the
1: same as every year. Man. At least I
0: got some points. <laughs> oh, too bad. Oh ouch. <laughs> but under my next fact, in true yes or bs style, we are all over the place with these facts. Mm-hmm. Because Paul, are you familiar with the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia? <laughs>
1: that was yeah also
0: known as the farc guerrillas of course they are you know farc f-a-r-c i think they've all demobilized now but they were the kind of a colombian paramilitary group they were marxist revolutionaries this has got
1: christmas written all (laughs) over it
0: (laughs) i'm getting to the christmas (laughs) part if if you're allowed a 20 minute ramble preamble to one of your facts (laughs) i can rant about the revolutionary armed forces of colombia <laughs> but they were called the people's army so they were a, like a marxist uprising it was a low intensity conflict for decades in colombia right around about open. what time from about 1964 when communism was reaching its height right they started to kick off but like you right. said this is a christmas episode so we're yeah. not this isn't the history of farc
1: <laughs> that's our new podcast we we're launching <laughs> in 2019
0: i've already pre-recorded 20 episodes of that <laughs> But this was in Christmas 2010. The Colombian government thought, what is the best way to deal with these communist uprisings? Right. So, what they did, they. Went to well known kind of traveled paths that the gorillas would use. That's an in insurgents, not yeah. not like mountain gorillas. G
1: U E, not G O. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So they would go to kind of well known trails that the gorillas would use. Uh-huh. Uh, and they strung Christmas lights along these trees up to 75 feet in height. Right. And they also put various Christmas messages to the gorillas, they say Merry Christmas, come on home for Christmas, you want to get your your Christmas dinner sort of thing. So when the gorillas walked past the trigger point, the trees would all light up and it would be like Christmas. And the idea was that it would make the gorillas so homesick that they would lay down their arms and come home for Christmas. (laughs) Now, this sounds like the plot of like a a daytime TV movie that I just put together. But it was a success in the fact that 331 guerrillas did actually demobilize and come home. What? And they were allowed to come home with a pardon to go back to their families and not be revolutionaries anymore.
1: Wow. Okay. And how many of them were there? 332?
0: <laughs> it was just one diehard fighter still like that. So they got them with kind of nostalgia and homesickness. Right. And said, well, you, you guys are basically, you're living out in the forest. You've got to come home come back to civilization i think the one of the taglines the colombian government used was if christmas can come to the jungle you can come home demobilize at christmas everything is possible
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, john lewis missed a trick this year. okay <laughs> I, oh, I hate this game because this is so ridiculous And yeah, I just want that to be true.
0: Yep. So you imagine these armed
1: gorillas walking through the woods, walking through the
0: forest. They hit a trigger. Boom. Whole forest is lit up in Christmas lights and Christmas messages. (sighs) It does sound like the end of a daytime TV movie, I think. It's a heck
1: of a TV movie that's got armed insurgents living in the Colombian rainforest. I mind it's probably on the Hallmark Channel at some point.
0: They had a a follow-up campaign the next year called Operation Rivers of Light where they sent Christmas gifts with, like, these flying baubles that (laughs) went into the forest.
1: You're pushing it here. (laughs) Flying baubles went into the forest. With presents
0: and messages from families at home so that presents would land in the forest and the gorillas would pick them up and realise what a folly it had been to fight for a communist
1: revolution and go home. Good grief. You know, I genuinely don't know what to say. This is... (laughs) Utter, utter madness. <laughs> right, okay, so... You... I don't
0: think other podcasts have these facts. <laughs> I don't, there's probably a
1: reason why. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a reason why we're the only only podcast that plays this ludicrous game. We're niche,
0: I'll give you that. Yeah. But what is your first gut reaction to
1: that? My gut reaction is I want it to be true. Mm. But I also know you really well, and you would come up with something as utterly ridiculous as that. I reckon maybe if this isn't true, the second part is true, and you've concocted this as like what they would do the year before. <laughs> the whole thing about trigger points, setting the lights up like it would be some sort of delicious surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's got you written all over it. But I just want it to be true. Mm. I, I I like the fact that after. Fifty-six years, or however long they'd been in operation, mm. it was like suddenly, oh, actually, you know what? I have kind of have missed being at home for Christmas. That's
0: a, it's a long insurgency if you think about it. Right. Obviously, they would have new members since the '60s who have joined up since. Mm.
1: The other thing is that this is <clears throat> you're, like you're Doctor Susan Me again because ages ago I got you with a fact about Colombia, <laughs> and I don't know whether you've just you're like, well, I'm going to concoct some rubbish about Colombia and get them some back. sort of vengeance. Yeah. I
0: have done that with other facts.
1: Yeah, you have. But no, I, I just want this to be true so much that, mm. I'm yeah, I guess it's true. I'm going to go against every atom of my body so that's flew, screaming at me that this is rubbish. They flew
0: presents oh. and messaged them <laughs> in baubles into the forests and they lit up trees with christmas lights (laughs) you
1: you keep doing this as soon as you phrase it like that it sounds of course they didn't but Mm. i just i just want it to be true and
0: they called it operation christmas
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh is that the real
0: name or did i just think of the most boring name for (sighs)
1: operation of christmas right put me on my misery i'm gonna (laughs) say that this is true it's rubbish isn't it
0: this entire fact all of it even the baubles it's true. Yes! <laughs> that's amazing! Again, I feel I'm winning morally here You are, yeah. You're, that's amazing. As if they did that. Yeah, and the, and as if 331 actually surrendered. Yeah, it's like, as actually, as it, you know what?
1: I do want to you celebrate know, Christmas. I, who doesn't want to be home at Christmas anyway? Yeah, oh, that's that's, uh, that's amazing.
0: And um, obviously worked better than armed conflict for them. Just put, yeah, put some Christmas lights up. I tell you, you're off.
1: That's that's amazing. I love that story. Mm, yeah, like you're you're winning this podcast just like <laughs> on a moral level. Because these facts are awesome. Wow. That's that's fantastic. Wow, brilliant.
0: So it's now four 0 n- I can't never, lose. We've never had a four 0 before. <sighs> ever. This is the first time. Am I, the thing is, am I letting you win here, Paul?
1: Maybe you are. Is this um, your is this the only Christmas present you're gonna give me? So <laughs>
0: let me win this. <laughs> I might buy a pint on Saturday I don't know uh, right, okay. actually this we're hoping this podcast will either go out on the Friday or the Saturday mm. so if you're listening to this there's a good chance we're already very drunk somewhere
1: yeah we'll p- put it on Twitter Ex-
0: yeah we'll tweet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tweet a picture of you passed out on the
1: floor yeah. <laughs> with, with the caption Haggard Hawks won the competition
0: <laughs> oh don't oh you you have one there's no way I can come back I know now. yeah
1: that's what I'm saying <gasps> oh. Happy Christmas, me. Hey, the you best go. you can do is 4-3. Merry Christmas, Paul. Thank you. Let's see you Right, what should we got just next? end it now? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good episode. I like this already. Mm. I kind of wish I wasn't involved in it so I could listen to it.
0: I also wish you weren't involved in it <laughs> <laughs> so I could get some peace. <laughs>
1: so just keep setting each other's jokes up. <laughs> right, okay. Um, now, I've done literature. You've done Japan. Mm. And history, Um, we're kind of being playing to each other's strengths. So Mm. it's about time we went to a subject, dear to both our hearts, that we've done so well with before. Is it science? It's science! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Now, anyone who's listened to um, season one of Yes or BS will know that neither of us are particularly well-versed in science. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of sworn that we'll never touch it again. But it is Christmas. It, it is Christmas. So as a gift to you, the listener, <laughs> we're about to...
0: I'm sure no one's calling <laughs> out for this. <laughs> yeah,
1: We're about to make complete idiots of ourselves again by trying to explain uh, about the history of plutonium. Ooh. <sighs> now, um, plutonium, as I'm sure you know, uh, Tony, is um, a radioactive actinide with six allotropes uh, and four oxidation states.
0: What does that mean?
1: Uh, th- those are some words that I read <laughs> and wrote down that's what that means <laughs> Merry and, uh, Christmas yeah, everybody that's where um, the scientific side of this ends thank god yeah uh, so um, plutonium was discovered on and here's the crux of the point was it Pluto <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> OK. <laughs> I knew your science knowledge was bad. But I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> no. It was uh, discovered, not that, not that far from Pluto. It was discovered in California.: Oh, which is quite, quite far away from where we are now, but it was discovered um, on the 14th of December, Ooh. 1940. Um, they put the, uh, this is my understanding of how a particle accelerator works. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, buckle up everybody right what they did was they put some uranium in the particle accelerator they fired particles at it presumably mm-hmm. and by hook up by crook they ended up with plutonium that's how a particle wow. accelerator works. Wow,
0: Paul, that's it.
1: A- yeah, this is like when I try to explain how a pelican works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, next season we're going to get somebody with science yeah, knowledge we need, under this. Yeah,
1: if there's anyone listening who knows about science, we're, we're, we're getting a, you on.
0: It's not hard to step up from us, <laughs> no, by the
1: way. Oh, no. you, you gifted three points just by turning <laughs> up, put it that way. Um, yeah, so, and that's and that's how they did it. Um, and this technique is worked earlier on that year and uh, using the same technique they discovered neptunium which is another mm. chemical element um but in de- that was in around about may 1940 but in december they found this other chemical element with a different whatever it is that makes them different <sighs> <clears throat> atomic. so atomic number <laughs> yes atomic number that's the <laughs> phrase that we're after um but 1940 you we were right in the middle of second world war and because of the sort of potential of this because it was so radioactive and blah 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 um, the scientists who were involved in this couldn't announce what they'd actually discovered Uh, so it wasn't actually announced to the sort of scientific community community until 1948 that was when they kind of said oh by the way eight years ago we discovered plutonium Uh, but before they could publicly announce it uh, they had to obviously give it a name Mm -hmm. and so as a joke this team of scientists who had discovered this which included Glenn T. Seaborg.
0: You just Google funny names, <laughs> no, Tony, and you, spill, it, you
1: it, get the. Well, what did that person do? It, he had, there's a chemical element called Seaborgium that's named after him. Oh. He's he's kind of one of the fathers of making artificial. Is it artificial elements the ones that that have not that have to be created in particle accelerators? Com- yeah,
0: compounds.
1: I uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Him and um, Joseph Kennedy, who was involved in the Manhattan Project, Mm. uh, they were part of this team. So in their notes, um, while they were talking about the the sort of discovery of this, because they couldn't come out with it publicly and say, we have discovered this. We're going to name it this. This is its nature. This is its chemistry, blah, blah, blah. Mm. uh, So they started calling it as a joke because it was 11 days before Christmas. They started calling it Christmassium. Mm-hmm. They just started referring it to to it as Christmasium in their sort of literature and their notes between each other and in their records. I suppose and
0: that's not a very funny joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if they were going, oh,
0: What a joke. Well, well, would. Be... They tried. Yeah,
1: they tried. Um, so, yeah, this, they just sort of started to referring it to, with this sort of placeholder name. But the joke stuck. And when they started writing um, actual reports for the university records, they used this name as if it had been accepted. It was no longer mm. a sort of queried name. They just sort of wrote down... The chemical element that we discovered, Christmassium, so they gave it this name. Um, so by the time the discovery was actually announced, which is eight years later, this had kind of become sort of semi kind of serious that this, was, this is what this new element was, okay. going to be, it was going to be called. So by the time it actually came to announce it, there's an organization called the IUPAC, which is the International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry, of course sound like a fun group shout out to any members of that (laughs) listening i'm sure you're startled by our knowledge of science Um, they have a really strict set of rules that says th- this is how you name these kinds of compounds this is how you name these and they have a really strict set of rules for how you name chemical elements hmm. so that you can't name them after yourself you can't name them after oh, anyone who's alive that's no fun yeah so it has to be a place it has to be a, a, something to do with the nature of the element and all this sort of stuff so there's all these rules and unfortunately Chris Massium failed to meet their criteria but it's, criteria.
0: Yes, it's- Christmas. But it
1: got to the point where it was debated in this sort of society as a, a genuinely serious name for plutonium. Of course, it didn't fit their rules, so it got shouted down, unfortunately. Um, so what ended up happening was because element 92 is uranium, 93 is neptunium, they gave it the name plutonium just to keep the ah. kind of uh, planetary connection. So the name, unfortunately, in 1948 was abandoned. But for a while, plutonium was named christmassium
0: So here's a question. If it was so important to keep it a secret, but if it's still in the same position on the periodic table, surely people would realize anyway, like, oh, that's a new element that can be used.
1: Yes, but they had discovered it and they had the technology to recreate it. No one else had it. That, it's an element that doesn't exist in nature, I don't think. So how did
0: they explain it away when they were calling it Massium?
1: Oh, they they wrote about what their technique was, and they said that they discovered it in the University of Berkeley in California. But they couldn't publicly explain how they'd made it because oh, okay. other countries that oh. they don't want to have that kind of power. Okay, so would it's not listening on it.
0: So the name wouldn't have really made
1: any difference. No, uh, people so knew it was
0: the method to how they created yeah. it. Which is yeah,
1: yeah, what... that's what they couldn't reveal. Gotcha. We, we can predict, you know, this element is probably going to be this an element with this atomic number will probably have these kinds of qualities.
0: They could have just called it plutonium anyway, but not explained the method. Yes, yeah. And they just made this incredible joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they had discovered it, but they couldn't announce the discovery or their method for it because of the timing of it. So it was only after things sort of started to settle down and countries began to collaborate a little bit more that they came out publicly with it.
0: Okay. I've got a feeling about this one. Okay. Simply because... We are both so bad at science. <laughs> Neither of us could ever make up a lie about it. <laughs> so that is my... I'm How just... dare you? I'm... I have a
1: GCSE B <laughs> in science.
0: I'm trying to think back to every science fact we've done, and I think they've all been true.
1: I can't. I don't think I've ever done one. I think this is too technical for you to have made it up. Right.
0: Although Chris Massium sounds so stupid. <laughs> like I think that's, I think that's like, the point. It's like you've just sat down... And just, you'd been doodling Christmas, and christmas and Christmas-mass, christmas there, yeah, it was an element. I,
1: I shouted that out, at Christmas-mass.
0: <laughs> right, I'm just going to go, God, if I'm going to be 5-0 down on this, but i want to say this is BS. No, true, true, because yeah. every science fact has to be true.
1: Okay, final answer? Yes. Seeing it's true? Yes. I made all of that up. No! <laughs> oh, no! Oh. What? <laughs> it's Christmas. Just
0: give us a pint.
1: All like all of the facts around it, like like Glenn Seaborg, all of that is true. Ah. Um, that is, if anyone understood that, that is the nature of plutonium. I don't understand those words. Oh, really, really, but, boys. Um, that part of it's true, but, but the fact it was called Christmassium. No, of course it wasn't. If this is a clean sweep, I completely made that up. First, I'm sorry.
0: Our first ever clean sweep could be on the cards here. <laughs> I thought I was going to pull at least one back. <laughs> Shouldn't give you that bloody bonus point in the first Happy one. Happy Christmas, Jones. <laughs> All right. My last fact: <laughs> This see if I can claw a point. <laughs> Race. On to my final fact. All and right. On the brief break we've had there, I've obviously thought Chris Massium is such a stupid name. <laughs> like, how did that... It's like you literally just thought of a stupid name to do with Christmas.
1: That's literally and how I it happened.
0: i put so much effort into <laughs> You just cobbled together Chris Massium. You and know, then... the
1: thing is, I thought... I came up with the name Christmasium because I thought that'd be a good story to make up. Mm. And then I'd so, I would I just thought, right, which element am I going to say that it is? Mm. And I looked loads of them up and it took me ages to find one that was discovered <laughs> in December. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even
0: that close to Christmas. I know, it's... It's like, oh, God, I should have seen through this <sighs> so much. And again, so much effort I'm putting. I'm winning. I, I kind of feel bad. You, you should. Your you facts should. have been amazing. I thought I've got to pull the stops out for the Christmas special. But uh, hey, hey, maybe next year's Christmas special. Yeah. Right. So anyway, my final facts. I'm going back into history. Okay. We'll go to the Ottoman Empire this time. Oh, right. Okay. And We're taking the countries off here. <laughs> See, I've put together like a world tour of interesting <laughs> facts. And you've come up with... Not that I'm bitter, anyway. <laughs> deep breaths, Anthony. Deep breaths. Okay. So we're going to one of the last Polish-Ottoman wars that were in Europe. Oh, God. And it, <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't know anything about this. And it's, it was from 1683 to 1699. So it was a long war. Okay. It was one of the last times the Ottoman Turks managed to invade quite far into Europe.
1: I was going to say that's quite far north, isn't yeah, it, for they, the Ottoman Empire?
0: The first battle of this war was the Battle for Vienna, actually. Oh, wow. So it was kind of on the point where the Ottomans could have swept further into Europe. Right. uh, Long story short, a European alliance managed to push the Ottomans out by the end. Right. But we're talking about the Christmas-related
1: facts about this one.
0: The European side was led by King John III Sobieski of Poland. So they put... That's a snappy title. They put, they put the number and then the family name after it in Poland. Oh, right. So okay. He was quite a, he was quite a famous military leader, and it was the last battle of the war where the Turks were finally crushed and right. kicked out of Central and Eastern Europe. Right. They still kind of retained Southeastern Europe, like Greece, the Balkans. I was going to say, yeah, because it, it lasted they, a long time. They kept that for a long while. So this was like out of Central Europe, out of Eastern Europe. Mm. Now, I'm... Going to really mess up the pronunciation on this place because it's it's a place that's in modern day Ukraine, but it was the last battle of the Polish-Turkish War. Right at a place called Podachka. Right. That sounds convincing. Yeah, that sounds convincing. The Polish were immortalized at this battle as being great heroes because they were outnumbered two to one. Right. And they still managed to defeat the Turks, kick them out, win the war. Right. Okay. Now the battle was in September 1698, but. The peace treaty wasn't signed until January the next year. Okay. But the European Alliance had basically won the war by this point. Right. So the armies were returning home. So they were coming home for Christmas.
1: Okay. Of course. This, which brings us to Ooh. the which crux. Which brings us to the crux of it. So okay. good
0: background to the history of the war and okay the Now in Poland, they had like a forerunner to the Christmas tree, but it was just one fir branch that they would hang from the ceiling, and they would hang small decorations on this fir branch. Okay. It kind of came from an old pagan tradition, but obviously Poland was Catholic by this point. right? The same as the Christmas tree today, it was a a pagan thing originally, I
1: think. I I think it probably was. I know that we got it from from Germany, yeah.
0: But it's more Christmas trees, fir trees, it's a very much central Eastern European... anyway that we've only adopted recently but they would decorate these fir branches and in celebration of the Poles winning this seemingly against the odds Mm -hmm. the Poles executed a lot of the Ottoman prisoners so they were hanged after the battle right so on returning home they thought in celebration of this great victory they made little Ottoman wooden men Mm -hmm. that they put nooses around and hanged from the fir branches (laughs) That Christmas.
1: Well, this is festive.
0: <laughs> Merry Christmas. Okay, save this one to last. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Put those hanged men on your tree.
1: Right, okay. This is macabre. So,
0: and they were kind of carved in the visage of the Ottoman soldiers, who at the time, their traditional battle dress was kind of a long tunic, and they wore turbans at the time. I was well.
1: going to say, yeah, the turbans and cravats i think yeah even? i think it was
0: around 16700s. 1700s mm. they didn't bring the fez in until the 1800s mm. everybody's favorite hat
1: i like how you've just you're, you're, people listening to this you've just missed out on anthony miming taking a fez <laughs> off as, <laughs> as soon as he said the word fez
0: um it's actually still a tradition used in poland today but obviously, obviously they're not in the visage of ottoman soldiers they're just little wooden men with like, nooses around their necks. Well, they tie the decoration around the neck and then hang it onto the fir branches. Really? Yeah.
1: <sighs> okay. Right. And that is my last Christmas facts for you, Paul. <sighs> this is this is macabre, certainly. Mm. I see. This is annoying because this sounds completely true. It sounds horrible, but it sounds completely true because around about that time, people kind of didn't really care what they, <laughs> how macabre and how grim things were. <laughs> So that, yeah. The
0: thing is, with the modern decorations, there's not really any association with the war or the battle now anyway. It's just like, oh, we've, just always, little, we've always hung little men.
1: Little model but, men. And
0: obviously, to keep them straight, hanging them by the neck is obviously the easiest way mm, to hang I suppose so, yeah. little wooden men onto a tree.
1: But the reason why it's little men is... Because the
0: Poles won an overwhelming victory against the Odds. And the, against Polish. the Ottomans
1: and then hanged all their prisoners. Yes. That's insane. Okay. Ah. <sighs> Oh God, I hate this game so much because that sounds really convincing and you've you've dressed it up with so many facts, Mm. like the background to the battle and it makes sense. But I can also see you just going, right, what kind of weird Christmas decoration can I come up with? I'll come up with this. The reason behind that is what's the most obscure war (laughs) or the most obscure battle that I can think of? Or it would be this. (laughs) So I know that there are very odd Christmas traditions Because I know, I think it's in Germany Where they hang, I think it's like a gherkin or something From the Christmas yeah. tree And I don't know why But that's like, you know, like in We put the angel or the star on the tree last They put a gherkin on the tree I think they have like a Christmas gherkin That they hang on so last So you should it's have like used tradition. that as a fact I've read that before somewhere I, the People in Germany will now be like <laughs> Laughing at the fact that, that that's probably complete rubbish <laughs> <laughs> Please email us but, so there is a precedent for mm. very unusual Christmas decorations. Hanged men, little hanged men. Mm. Yeah, it does sound plausible. Would you have...
0: Oh. I think when me and my brother made angels at primary school, they were hung on the tree by their necks. <laughs> <laughs> like little paper angels.
1: Did you put, like, little crosses for eyes? <laughs> <laughs> sort of bleary expressions on the <laughs> we, we just called
0: it the execution tree in <laughs> our eyes.
1: Um... Oh. I think I'm I'm torn on this, and I can totally see me getting this wrong. Um, but I think you've thought I want to do a fact about weird Christmas tree decorations, and you, you've deliberately gone for something utterly obscure to hang this story mm. on. No pun intended. So I'm going to say this is BS, but I can totally see this being true. I can totally see it being true. But I think you've made that up.
0: This could be for a clean sweep on your next fact as well. I think
1: it, I think I think I've got this wrong. That fact. BS. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Am I right that you just came yep. up? With- <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you nailed it. I basically picked a war that ended around Christmas <laughs> <laughs> and thought, "Ooh, would they celebrate like that?"
1: Yeah, they probably would in the 1600s. <laughs> so is all of that untrue? Like, Oh, no,
0: the war is completely true. The battle is true. The Polish did win right. against the odds. Is
1: it true that little men are hung on trees in Portland? No, or is that no, completely that, untrue? That's, that's BS. Completely
0: what? BS. That, was, that was the fact. The main fact was the yeah. Christmas decoration. That's so, like, insane. The history, the history of yeah. it, the preamble nothing to do with christmas anyways
1: wow that Damn. yeah i can see i can see i can see your thought process now <laughs>
0: my hopes are low for season 2
1: <laughs> 6 nil <laughs> <laughs> oh this is this, the, right
0: right if you clean sweep this mm-hmm. you've got to buy all of my drinks on saturday
1: that's never going to happen <laughs> i'm, I'm going to deliberately th- i'm going to tell you what the correct answer is <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're going to buy me at least one
1: right Okay. Right. Let's oh, see this is if good. Paul
0: can get the clean sweep for Christmas. <laughs> right. So this is disgusting. <laughs> Six nil. If this was a normal episode, you'd you'd have actually. This was the it. Yeah. Exactly. This Six 0 This was a game, set, and match.
1: I'd, I'd take that score normally.
0: I really. I can't lose this any more badly than I am already. <laughs> So go on, Paul, what is your final Christmas fact?
1: Have you heard of um, a Christmas story called The Goblins That Stole a Sexton?
0: Surprisingly, I haven't Mm,
1: (laughs) heard of The Goblins Um, That Stole a Sexton. Well, I'll tell you what that story is. It's, um, you know, like the play within a play Mm. in Hamlet. The Goblins That Stole... Was that in Hamlet? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, not in the version I know. Uh, The Goblins That Stole a Sexton is um, a story that one of the characters in Pickwick Papers... Okay. tells charles dickens. by charles dickens but it's basically a carbon copy of a christmas carol and okay. that's the story that i'm going to tell you
0: about. oh i'm so i don't know i don't know where this is going to i go. know
1: i've gone literature just to really hammer the victory home <laughs> um so uh yeah the the Gobblers that stole a sexton was a, a story that uh dickens wrote when he was like only in his early 20s and he included it in pickwick papers and it's about a sort of miserly old sexton who is visited by goblins on Christmas is Eve?
0: A, a sexton, a tool. <laughs> That's a sextant. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a sexton is like a church minister. <laughs> okay, well, this episode's really not gone well for you. <laughs> Yeah, we're not. Can,
0: can I, it, it, I know we've never discussed the rules, probably. Is there a way to tap out <laughs> just, and like, just surrender? Right, that's yeah.
1: it. So it's about some goblins that were going to navigate their way not around a, the world. not a sentient sextant. <laughs> so they stole a sextant <laughs> to navigate by the stars. No, they they stole a sextant. Um, and the, it's just basically a Christmas carol, and they visit this guy who's a bit miserly, and they talk to him about how things that could be different and he's visited by ghosts and spirits and things and then he has his sort of christmas revelation the next day mm-hmm. and this story is included inside Pickwick papers but dickens presumably liked this story and wrote a christmas carol in 1843 at this point dickens was kind of he wasn't financially in dire straits he was still a very wealthy man but his sales were really declining and the book that he was kind of serializing at the minute which was martin chuzzlewit that was down to about sort of a third of the sales that he ha- kind of was having a, a few years ago. Mm. So things were starting to get a little bit tight. If he was going to keep up his sort of lifestyle, he needed something to be really successful. And, and so,
0: I suppose declining book sales are something you're very familiar with. <laughs> you so- know,
1: as soon as I started talking about book sales, I was like, Anthony's going to come up with some kind of jive I here. Need,
0: I need to pull something back. Sorry to interrupt your floor <laughs> yeah.
1: there. So, yeah. um, so his sales were kind of uh, declining, <laughs> being their myth. And so he decided that he needed to publish something quick that could be commercially really successful. So he came up with the idea of writing a Christmas story. That story happened to be a Christmas carol. He wrote it in about six weeks. He wrote this Mm. really, really quickly, turned it around really quickly. Um, He finished it in November and it was published on the 19th of December. So this whole process was really quick. And 6,000 copies, the first print run of 6,000 copies sold out by Christmas Eve. Mm. So it sold incredibly well. On paper, he's sorted. His plan has come into fruition. But I'm going to tell you about uh, how this was a complete financial disaster for him. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it's kind of partly all of his own doing. Mm. Uh, He's kind of had a bit of a falling out with his publishers, um, so he took on a lot of the publishing costs himself, mm. presuming this is gonna be massively successful. And because he was in charge, he started making very lavish decisions about what the book should be like. He wanted it to be like a real gift book. It wasn't Leather just gonna be sort of thing. Yeah. It wasn't just gonna be like a little paperback mm. um, periodical that you would just sort of buy for a couple of pennies or whatever. This was gonna be a big deal. So it was gold embossed lettering on the cover mm. leather bound hard leather bound covers uh, gilt edges on the pages
0: oh, that sounds lovely i love a book like that <laughs>
1: um four full hand colored illustrations and hand colored oh. uh, end papers and why you papers. shouldn't
0: give the author full control yeah
1: exactly so this thing cost him an absolute fortune mm. but because he wanted everyone to read it and everyone to buy it he only charged five shillings a copy
0: how much did it cost him to make it?
1: I don't know, but I can tell you how much he made from this. Mm. Uh, so this whole print run like sells out. He sold 6,000 copies of this. You take off all of the cost of the high quality paper that he's wanted and the binding and the, um, the engravings to get the illustrations and then to have them hand colored and illustrated to have the end papers made. Also, he found that after the first batch went out that the green that you'd wanted on the end papers had faded. That was more sort of Olive of colour and he Set, wanted... Burn the balls. Yeah, he wanted <laughs> a really Set festive green, so they went through another print run again, mm-hmm. paid for all of that. So he was expecting to make around about a £1,000 profit from from the first sort of print run, which in money today I think is a pretty big mm. wallop of money. I think it's...
0: it was It's a massive chunk, considering you could get like a house for a tenner.
1: Like yeah, then. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was expecting to, this to get him, you know, get, him, get me out of a couple of holes here, lads. <laughs>
0: So I'll I'll blow the entire (laughs) purchase and somehow I'll get profit.
1: Yeah, Uh, so he's expecting to make around about £1,000 off it. He made £137. Mm -hmm. So he made very, very little, relatively speaking, off it. Um, But things started to pick up and it kept on selling even after Christmas. And after 15,000 copies were sold, which I hate... Mate, I'd take that. I'd take that any day. Um, (laughs)
0: 15 copies.
1: (laughs) Even then, he only made around about £700, Mm. which is, um, comparatively speaking, is a lot of money at the time. did he
0: continue to print them in this fancy... Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think until he realised it was all a bit...
0: I'd imagine they'd be worth bank today, like if you uh, yeah. get of them. I don't know
1: if any of them still exist. Mm. Yeah, good grief. So, yeah, it, it wasn't quite the sort of financial success that he wanted it to be or that he needed it to be, quite frankly. But just when things can't get even worse, oh. along comes um, another publisher called Parley's Illuminated Library. Right, that's which is, from which Harry is, Potter. <laughs> is, um, they came along and went, Hey, Dickens, you've written a good story. We'll have that. <laughs> they, they release a pirate edition of this copy really cheaply, um, take exactly the same story, just put it out as like a really cheap paperback, like, like he, was it, like he like could have done. Word for word. Yeah, they just went, oh, that's a nice one. Yeah. Well, why you, not? You, you, you can't do that, Of course you? they can't. So he sued them yeah. and he won his case. So Polly's Illuminated Library, what do they do? Sorry, we're bankrupt. <laughs> we can't did, pay any of this, so they who made was, a load of
0: profit from their own sales, though.
1: Oh yeah, it's it sold lots through them. Don't yeah. they have to prove bankruptcy? Like, I don't know. You're you're quizzing me on my knowledge of, of Victorian Victoria.
0: law. <laughs> sorry, sorry but I keep I keep interrupting <laughs> I the flow here. All, all I with know, ridiculous question.
1: All I know is that, um, understandably, they lost. And Dickens, because because it's massively illegal. This is ridiculous. Yeah. um, So Dickens won the case, should have got a massive reparation. Um, They declared bankruptcy. He was left to cover all the court case Mm. fees. And so it ended up costing him uh, about £700, which is basically all the profit (laughs) of the book. (laughs) Wop, wop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it, we think kind of off the back of this, because this plan had completely backfired, this is where his idea came to um, start publicising himself a little bit mm. more. And so uh, um, based on this, he started coming up with the idea of doing public readings. He was one of the, he was a massive celebrity. I do know, yeah, as you know, very famous. All of his yeah. He used to act them out, you know, he used to yeah, I'd, put uh, voices on. And... I
0: think that, wasn't it like a documentary where someone played Dickens and did that? Yeah, was it Simon, uh, my... Simon Cowell?
1: Simon Cowell. Simon <laughs> Cowell. Simon Callow <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> Simon
0: Callow from the X Factor played Dickens
1: that's my next fact
0: <laughs> no, I think it was it's Simon Callow, Simon Callow. Yeah. Yes, I think I've ever seen that yeah. a few years ago
1: um, so yeah he started giving uh, public readings and they were hugely successful mm. um, I, I think he did a tour of America giving um, readings of various stories and things of his and I think in modern terms that netted him about a million pounds so it was a very very lucrative business so he kind of saved himself in the end and in a nice sort of twist on this I know you like sort of happy endings on things like this Um, the first story that he gave as a public reading was A Christmas Carol Mm. so it's like yes it had been a financial disaster at the time but when he gave his first reading which was in Birmingham in the mm. UK, not Alabama, um, in 1853. Uh, Shame it wasn't.
0: That would be another interesting <laughs> yeah.
1: fact. Um, the first story that he, he gave was um, A Christmas Carol. So mm. it did actually end up kind of getting him out of a bit of trouble. It was also the last public reading that he gave was A Christmas Carol, right before he died. Oh, that's so, nice. So, yeah, kind of bookends a little bit. got me with Schmaltz again. Yeah, I know. Um, so, yes, salt. it eventually kind of salvaged it a little bit, and he did eventually kind of sort his um, financial situation out. But so, it was a disaster.
0: Just to kind of recap. Christmas Carol was originally in the Pickwick Papers. Yes. In the form of a story within that story called The Goblins Stole a Vicar or something.
1: (laughs) The Goblins Who (laughs) Stole a Sexton. Not a sextant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just embarrassed myself.
0: So Christmas Carol, he he obviously couldn't have written the full Christmas Carol into the Pickwick Papers. It was just like a no. It's just a, 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 the genesis of, of the idea.
1: Very kind of truncated <clears throat>
0: version of it. Yeah. How long after Pickwick Papers did he write? Did he publish
1: full Christmas Carol? Ooh, that's a good question. Pickwick Papers, I think, was eighteen thirties, maybe. So I think
0: it's a good five to ten years.
1: Um. Maybe? Uh, yeah, eighteen forty-three. Um. Ooh, it, so Christmas Carol was between, published between between
0: five and ten years after. it, Yeah. So he was having, he was in financial trouble.
1: Yeah. But because
0: he was an idiot, he decided to spend enormous yeah. amounts of money
1: on what the book actually would to be make like.
0: leather bound,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, gold edged, green goblins, no, <laughs>
1: green gilt green stuff. Yeah, green end papers, green cover, leather bound cover. To make
0: matters worse, um, some sort of Harry Potter publishing house basically printed it verbatim mm-hmm.
1: pretty much that's my understanding of it yeah they, did they... they
0: who did they put as the author
1: on it oh i don't know maybe they still credited it to him i don't know but oh well, there you go it's yeah, exposure it's, it's exposure yeah. that'll it's do fine. that'll
0: do uh he sued them he won yeah but they didn't pay him anything
1: yeah they de- declared bankruptcy smart move mm.
0: but he would then later go on to make a lot of money from it from yeah,
1: book tours. from public readings and things. Yeah, right. So it was the the fact is that it was just a financial nightmare for him, even though it's kind of gone on to be. I think I'm right in saying it's his most filmed story. Mm. I think *Scrooge* actually is one of the most. Oh, it
0: has to be. I've never I've never seen as many versions of his others. Mm.
1: If the Muppets can do it, <laughs> then you know.
0: And the best version, I think, is the Quite Muppets right, Christmas yeah, hero. quite right. And yeah. I'll fight anyone who doesn't agree. <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah. I think actually, I I don't know if this is completely true, but I know, I think Scrooge is one of the most filmed characters mm. ever. I think he's had the most sort of incarnations. I think I think Sherlock Holmes is still number one, mm. but I think Scrooge is certainly up there with that. But I think Scrooge does better because he was a character in one book where Sherlock yeah. Holmes had dozens of stories yeah. to build up.
0: That's a good point, yeah. You see? I'm I'm fighting fighting Dickens's corner yeah. here. I think I've. It sounds like a nice story, mm-hmm. but you've appealed to my sense of schmaltz before. Mm. But so your first fact that was a true, wasn't it? <laughs> this, this
1: is literally what I've got to go on. I've I've gone. You've done true I've, false. Yeah, I've done a yes, then a BS.
0: My only th- reasoning on this is you wouldn't put two BSs in a Christmas <laughs> episode.
1: <laughs> well, you've you've really analysed this. You've really used your knowledge to, to look pick holes in my facts. You're just going on law of averages.
0: That's basically it. It's, I'm thinking you, you wouldn't... You just want to get this over with. You wouldn't do two BS stories in a Christmas episode. Okay. That's um, your only reason? I, and I don't think you would do BS on a topic you love so much, such as I literature. Do like, I do like Dickens as well. And a writer well. you like so yeah. much. I don't think you could do a BS.
1: My favourite Dickens story is that I think it was his future wife when he was courting her... She, I think I was staying in a guest house or something. And in the middle of the night, he burst in through a bedroom window, dressed as a sailor, <laughs> and danced a hornpipe in, in her bedroom and then ran out. And when she sort of woke up and screamed, he then came running in, like just dressed as Charles Dickens. And she he- was like... What? You just him through my window and did a hornpipe, and he was like, "No, I didn't." No, no, that was a sailor. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, I didn't. So he just like trolled his wife, and
0: she still married him after this. I
1: know, yeah.
0: Wow, and I I can't even get a date. <laughs> you should try that, right? Get, get me a sailor outfit. <laughs> so You've come on, haven't you?
1: <laughs> you go, it goes with a sextant. <laughs>
0: go get my sailor outfit out the cupboard.
1: <laughs> go get my sailor outfit and my sextant.
0: <laughs> That's the hornpipe in front of women. <laughs> right. I think it does have a ring of truth to it. Cause I, I'm I'm sure I re- read somewhere that Charles Dickens did have some sort of financial trouble at some point. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I've just made that up. Or if you were so convincing, I've decided I read that
1: somewhere. He spent all of his money on a sailor costume. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm going on low of averages and the fact that it's Christmas and the fact that I need a point. <laughs> and I'm going to say
1: that's all true. Okay. I, Final know, answer? Yes. That story, is true. Yes. <laughs> oh, I
0: lost my clean sweep. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I
1: couldn't have lived down a seven-nil defeat. Yeah. Yeah. The clean sweep still hasn't happened. Six clean points ahead, though. Well, no, you did the. You, yeah, you pulled that one back. I'd, I'd like to think that you pulled it back because you knew a bit about Dickens. But instead, you just pulled it back because you just didn't think I would do another <laughs> wrong one. Because
0: it's Christmas, and he wouldn't put two lies in a Christmas episode. That's that because that was what I thought when I did this. I'll have two truths and a lie.
1: Ah, uh, right. It's Christmas.
0: We've got to be a bit. Yeah. Of course. Mix now you know. A bit. Now you know what I'm going to be doing next year for the Christmas special. Right. writing that down.
1: Write that down. Bear that in mind for next year. I
0: have a bonus Charles Dickens fact.
1: Oh really? That I was considering using. Right.
0: I, we I mentioned this uh, in the cafe when we had lunch. Today,
1: <laughs> people are really getting to know how this podcast is put together.
0: We we cobbled this together
1: from. Say, <laughs> we were literally sat in a greasy spoon cafe about two hours ago. Hey, two breakfasts for a tenner. <laughs> you can't plus, go wrong. Plus drinks. Yeah. God,
0: but my fact I had on Charles Dickens was the reason we have an idea of a white Christmas. We all we always associate Christmas with snow, was because for the first eight years of his life he had a white Christmas. So when Charles Dickens wrote. One of the most famous Christmas stories, mm. obviously. He mm-hmm. wrote it from the point of view of his own
1: childhood. That's such a good fact. Yeah.
0: But obviously, obviously, as we know, we don't often get white Christmases in the UK. No. Very very rarely. I think I've, I've had one. The, the I, I, I can
1: remember a couple, but mm. I know that it's true that it's more likely to snow here on Easter Sunday
0: than Christmas Day. But because of Charles Dickens... We have that new, this is our view of the traditional mm. Christmas.
1: It's interesting how many traditions that we have now are kind of established in the Victorian era. Like we've talked before about how mm. uh, white wedding dresses come mm. from Queen Victoria. We kind of think that this is like an ancient yeah. tradition. But all the
0: peasants used to just wear any old crap. <laughs> any old clobber. <laughs> any old clobber.
1: Yeah. I have one more Charles Dickens story Ooh, that I absolutely love. Which is, um, I can't remember why, but he was walking down the street and he got very excited. I think he might have been talking about something with somebody. And so spontaneously, in a sort of fit of excitement, he grabbed a woman that happened to be walking past him and danced with her. But she was so horrified that she fell (laughs) over and broke her arm.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's that's assault.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah but What a what a what a story to go out on the, the assault of a, of a woman.
0: Merry Christmas, everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should just have a Dickens off one time. Yeah. So we've um, learned we've
0: learned quite a bit today about Christmas. Yeah, uh,
1: we had some really good facts yeah, about. so from my yeah. side,
0: we had um, the German soldiers taken prisoner by the Japanese. That's a brilliant which story. Which led to "Order to Joy" being a Christmas song. Mm. KFC is a thing. Over there at Christmas.
1: That still doesn't make any sense to me.
0: It is it is true. It is completely true. And I also had the Colombian gorillas who were convinced to come home. Yeah, by that's Christmas a lovely lights. story. It is. You see, I think we've got... It's quite nice. Yeah. Got, and I had, see,
1: I had a story about bankruptcy <laughs> and the, the fact that uh, Boris Karloff couldn't sing. Yeah, but so you did got mention, Tony the Tiger in. Tony,
0: yeah, you did mention Tony the Tiger, so that's yeah. a good
1: one. I love the fact that Tony the Tiger sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch.
0: I feel... Like I've genuinely learned stuff today. Yeah, we. We've, we've, I think we're finally finding our niche. <laughs> I finally learned something from this podcast. Shout, shout tens of listeners.
1: Yeah, you can finally take that educational <laughs> podcast box. Yeah, we did it. We did it. But Excellent. oh well,
0: thanks for listening, everybody. Um, And if you made it to the end, well done. Yes. I think it's quite a long one today.
1: Happy Christmas.
0: Happy Christmas, everybody. Um, No matter
1: what time you started listening to this, it's gone on so long, it's now Christmas.
0: (laughs) We've gone through, ploughed through the new year. (laughs) But please enjoy the Christmas season and the new year. And we will be back in January with season two. Watch this space.